Welcome to Cinematicon Ex Mortis, the horror movie discussion podcast hosted by Kenny and Heather. And uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I don't even remember what a podcast is. Yeah, um, we've just uh, been busy, I guess. Um, I don't know. I feel like this one is mostly on you, Heather. Okay, well, thanks. Um, I thought we were a team, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I watched... So, we should say what movie we're watching. We're going to discuss uh, Lake Mungo from 2008 today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched this, it feels like, a month ago or something. In, in 2008. Yeah, I saw it when it came out, and we've been <laughs> putting the podcast together ever since. Um, well, I've been sick, so there's that. And I'm still sick, so cut me some slack. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, yeah, we're doing Lake Mungo. I'll uh, let the listeners at home in on some basic facts about the film. Um, so this film received a limited theatrical release in 2008. Um, it's an Australian mockumentary. It was written and directed by Joel Anderson, and it stars Talia Zucker and Rose Trainer, with a score by David Patterson. Uh, And I'll jump into uh, a little plot summary here. Um, But first I will say, uh, spoiler alert, and uh, I think we both would recommend this. I don't know. I know I would. Uh, What about you, Heather? Would I recommend it? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if you really want to be scared to death, absolutely. Okay, so... You heard it from both of us. This is a real scary ass movie, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, I enjoy it a lot. So I really recommend people go out and watch this. I know this is a lesser known film, uh, but that's part of the reason that I wanted to watch it for the podcast is to try to get more people to watch it because I think it's great. Um, so with that out of the way, here's the plot summary for those of you who uh, are not going to take my advice and go watch it and just want to listen to the rest of the podcast, or maybe you put it on pause and now you've watched it and have come back. Um, okay, so the film documents the strange aftermath of the drowning death of Alice Palmer and the psychological toll it takes on her surviving family, parents June and Russell, and brother Matthew. As Alice's family members hear inexplicable noises at night and have nightmares in which she returns to the house as a corpse, her image begins appearing in photographs and video footage captured after her death. A series of revelations gradually emerge, including that Alice had had a sexual relationship with the Palmer's adult neighbors, and that the paranormal images of Alice were faked by Matthew in an attempt to comfort his parents. Things continue to get weirder, as the Palmers learn that Alice may have had a premonition of her own death while on a school trip to Lake Mungo. Okay, so that's the that's the plot summary that I wrote there. Um, so one reason I wanted to do this movie is that, as far as I can tell, it pretty much has a subgenre all to itself, which is pretty rare. Um, and that subgenre would be horror mockumentary. Um, and when people hear mockumentary, I think a lot of times, because it has mock in it, pe- people think it's uh, necessarily a comedy. Um, and a lot of the most famous ones are, like, this is Spinal Tap. Uh, but this is not a comedy at all. Um, it probably has less humor in it than maybe any other film that we've done. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And yeah, it's, it doesn't have a lot of levity at all, um, but it's a mockumentary in the sense of just being a fake documentary. 
Um, and people might be saying at home, hey, Kenny and Heather, there are lots of horror mockumentaries. There's Blair Witch Project and Paranormal Activity and so forth. Uh, so those are found footage horror films. Uh, the difference is that this one plays out much more like a real documentary where most of the film is composed of interviews with the subjects of the story um, who describe what happened to them in retrospect. Um, and it only occasionally includes clips from video footage supposedly captured at the time of the events described. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like... I don't know. Is is there an example outside of horror that you can think of to compare this to? Like, like for somebody who hasn't seen this film, like how would you Oh. How would you describe it? Like what kind of uh movie that people have heard of kind of plays out the same way? Even something like uh this is Spinal Tap, I feel like is more in the present tense than this one. Yeah. I I really can't think of anything that this is similar to, and I think that that's a strength for this movie. So it's just extremely unique. Yeah. The, the thing I guess that seems closest to me is like one of those, it, like a TV documentary. It's sort or, of as similar and set up to like behind the music almost, like a VH1 special. Hmm. Do you know what I, I mean? Was thinking, the... I was thinking more like one of those like cold case uh, crime documentaries on TV where somebody has died in suspicious circumstances and they go and interview people and they go through the case and all sure. the evidence and, you know, look at potential suspects and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, it's, it's more like that. Like that's kind of the format. So what do you think, Heather? Do you think that, um, given the story that's told in this film, that this was a, uh, a good format to tell it in? Um, I really didn't think so at first. I was kind of like annoyed with it. I was like, this is boring. <laughs> but I think it definitely becomes apparent pretty early on that it's a strength for this film because it makes it more realistic. Does that make sense? It's like... It's very grounded for a ghost movie. I think because it's so realistic and the paranormal aspect is kind of muted, it makes mm -hmm. it more realistic and therefore it scares you way more than like a regular horror movie. Yeah, I definitely could see that because nothing that happens in this is, I mean, as you get towards the end, things start getting like weirder and weirder, which they should. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, in, in a typical horror movie about ghosts and spirits and stuff the stuff that's happening is like so far beyond anything that you even read about in like the supposedly true stories of like the amityville house mm -hmm. or you know anything like that like you compare like the stuff that the family actually said happened in the house at amityville to the stuff that happens in the movie it's like they crank everything up by you know a factor of 10 um Whereas here, yeah, it's, like, much more believable, I guess. Yes, exactly. There's something very eerie and haunting about the way that it's set up. Mm -hmm. um, things are kind of grainy, like, footage-wise, and that sort of makes it creepier. It's just, there's this really believable quality about everything because they don't do anything over the top. 
it's yeah it's very i don't know it's just everything that scares me <laughs> i'm most terrified of ghosts out of anything that terrifies me and this movie was like just terrible <laughs> in that aspect like it's just i i had to sleep with the lights on yeah i um i think i had trouble sleeping after watching it I, it's been so long that uh i've kind of forgotten what my initial reaction was but uh definitely the first time that i watched it 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 scared the crap out of me i had this um film recommended to me by some random person that uh i it was an acquaintance i think and uh knew that i liked horror movies and was like oh have you seen lake mungo and i was like lake mungo um <laughs> and, and my mind it just instantly went to lake placid the movie about the killer giant alligator see that's what i was kind of expecting i was expecting some kind of swamp monster yeah, me too. E even though um, you told me that it was a misleading title, I then, like, I'm afraid of anything that lives in murky waters. So I was like, oh, like, for some reason, when you said it's a misleading title, I felt better. I'm like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> yeah. So, so it sounded like shit to me. And so I was <laughs> like, okay, well, I threw it on my Netflix queue, which is like 100 movies long, because um, I'll, I'll watch anything. Um, but that's for sure i'll watch it in like 10 years when it comes up on my netflix queue mm -hmm. and uh so then like 10 years later uh when i watched it <laughs> um you know long after i'd even forgotten who recommended it to me oh wow i was like holy shit this movie is amazing it's so good and the title is so bad like it's so misleading because yeah. um, it makes it seem like it's like this campy b movie and it's really classy like it's really just a well-made mockumentary and um it has a lot of like beautiful shots in it like they find ways to work in these really kind of painterly uh shots when they do kind of like they got interview footage and then they'll sort of intercut between the talking heads and just footage of uh the camera tracking through the location that's being talked about say like the the house of the palmers or something um and those shots are just like they're really haunting and they look great mm -hmm. um and uh i don't know it's just so well made and it's so original and then um i finally got it on dvd to do the podcast and the dvd looks like shit too um <laughs> the this film was just really it was it was done dirty uh by by the marketing and you know just i don't know they succeeded in making a great film but then it's it's remained this like really obscure cult classic i think because got a limited release it's an australian film so um some great know, accents know. they got yeah they have accents but i, I don't even like, know if this came out in the u.s like at the ever? time yeah i don't know if it got a u.s theatrical release maybe just a very limited one in some art house mm -hmm. theaters um, and then the DVD that there, there's no Blu-ray release, um, and the <laughs> DVD has this uh, gross logo going all the way down the side that says "After Dark Horror Fest 4. What does that eight, mean? Eight films to die for. <laughs> what? 
Um, and it has that on the spine too. Eight films to die for what in is... giant letters after Dark Horror Fest 4. Yeah. So I guess it was released as part of a series of eight uh, like indie horror films that got released on this imprint after mm. Dark Horror Fest 4. So maybe there were Man. three previous <laughs> sets of eight films that were released under this. Uh, I don't know oh. why, but... I mean, it just it makes it look like one of those, uh, like when you go to Best Buy and you have those like yeah. pa- packs of like it's like forty films for three ninety nine. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and you're like, oh boy, you know these, you, this this is shit. Yeah, you kind of expect the quality to be absolute garbage. Yeah, and it is usually. Um, but uh, so that's yeah, sad. this is a real diamond in the rough. Hmm. Well, that's nice that you're giving it its credit. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, I I accept your thanks on behalf of <laughs> Lake Mungo. <laughs> and the people who worked on it um are really like still unknown. Um, like I listed them off in the at the beginning of the uh-huh. episode, mm-hmm. and I'm sure like no one has heard of any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look on there, like wikipedia and imdb pages there's like almost nothing outside of this one movie so that's something that happens sometimes in the horror genre is that some group of apparently talented people get together to make a classic and then they just kind of go off and don't do anything else some of the best films in the genre are uh, made by unknowns that's sad yeah like um i don't know another one i can think of is uh, carnival of souls from the 60s uh that's a classic horror film that was made by uh the director's name herc harvey and uh he did nothing else he did like a bunch of commercial films hmm. like in like industrial film and uh that's it that's sad yeah but it's kind of neat too I guess. So I guess we should talk about the movie. Uh, so I guess we'll start with like how scary it is. Uh, I we both found it very scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I'd were... I'd been a little bit warned about <laughs> what was going to happen because <laughs> that shit fucked me up. <laughs> yeah, I was not. I I pretty much watched it like between my fingers. I was like, oh no. This is like yeah, the worst but, case scenario. But oh, if God. I warned you, you wouldn't have watched it. Probably. No, I wouldn't have. I got. I was trapped. I was. This was. <laughs> this was a trap. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Um. So, what were some some scenes or elements that you found scary? Uh, oh man. Okay. So I think the first thing that really unsettled me was the shot of her in. Like when they got her out of the water. Oh yeah. And she's like just so fucking scary looking. You know, she's, her, uh, her corpse. Yeah, when, when Alice's drowned body is found and they, mm-hmm. the dad has to identify the body. Yeah. That was like the first thing that I that just stuck with me. That that shot of her. There's just something so eerie about it just like the the colors and her facial expression 
and I feel like her fingers were kind of curled in a really creepy way. She mm. just, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> so for sure, that was the first time that I was like, oh, okay. So terrifying then. All right, got it. Because <laughs> before that, I was like, you know, because I, I went into this with no expectations. I didn't know what kind of movie it was or what it was about. I don't think I even read a description. So, Which I, is how you should see any movie, I think. It's very rare for me. I usually read reviews and synopsis and, you know, probably spoilers, if I'm going to be honest. Because I just, you know, I take fiction very seriously. You, you know how it is. So... Mm -hmm. This was going in blind like this was a very unique experience for me. Um, and and it, one that you'll never repeat. Probably not. <laughs> not a good first try. Um, so, yeah. That's it does get time. a slow start. It does. So I was just like, wait, what? You know, I'm like, how is. Yeah, it's really confusing if you don't know what you're going into. Well, I mean. The opening titles do have like the old grainy photos of weird stuff like ghosts and stuff, mm -hmm. right? So I think that gives you a little entree into the subject matter of the film, at least. I guess. Still never know. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know that the, the shot of the corpse, I guess, didn't scare me too much. Um, what what got me was when they start showing uh photographs and video footage from uh after Alice's death where you can supposedly see her in the footage or in the photo um and a lot of these it turns out are are faked or i guess all of them were either it turns out that it was somebody else in the footage um or it was the the brother Matthew, who was uh, an aspiring photographer and had access to a like a photo lab, and who uh, kind of uh, faked this stuff for mysterious reasons. I guess he wanted his. He knew his parents wanted to uh, keep looking for Alice and not give up on her, and uh, so he he did that. So it's weird. It's like so this stuff. It creeps you out, and then you kind of feel relieved later on the film when you find out that it it was a a hoax. Mm -hmm. um, but those those shots are just so um, unsettling to me, where you can just sort of make out a grainy image or something, yes. and you have to like um, zoom in. Mm -hmm. That zooming yeah. in effect is, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also like. Uh, it's presented in such a calm and like clinical way. Um, like the actors are never like hyperventilating or, you know, getting emotional mm -hmm. They're They, you know, for them, it's been months and years since this happened and they're able to talk about it calmly. And the, the filmmaking too is like very sedate, I guess, you know, there's not quick cuts. There's no jump scare or anything like that. The score doesn't, I mean, the score, I think, is fantastic, and it's really unsettling, but it's, like, very, like, a low drone kind of thing. Um, 
and uh yeah so it does it's it's really effective at uh getting under your skin without feeling manipulative right yeah a good way to put it yeah i think the other thing that makes that stuff so scary to me is um i guess it connects to like why ghosts are scary to begin with um and to me it's like the the fear of the unknown or like of not just the unknown but like something that you can't quite be sure about this sort of like creeping sense of uncertainty mm-hmm. which uh to me it makes me think of like the uncanny valley um do you know what that is no so it's kind of this neat thing um that came about with the rise of animation technology and uh image imaging technology so um there was a study where they show people pictures uh that represent human beings and the pictures were sort of on a scale from not very close at all to looking like a person so like a stick figure doesn't really it's not going to fool you into thinking it's a person mm-hmm. and then more and more realistic until you get to the most realistic was just like a picture of an actual person mm-hmm. and they asked the subjects to rate like how positively or negatively they feel about these images and the hypothesis was like well people like it more the more it looks like a person mm-hmm. um and you do find that um up to a point so like people like like a cartoon image of a person better than the stick figure they like the little more vert you know more uh realistic cartoon better than the less realistic cartoon but then as you start to get to like a certain point where uh it's really realistic but there's still something wrong with the proportions and so you can kind of tell that it's not an actual person then the rating goes from like i really like this to i hate it burn it with fire (laughs) it needs to die you know Uh, i do not want to look at this i'm very uncomfortable (laughs) Uh and that's called the uncanny valley so Mm -hmm. it's this like valley in the graph you know like so the graph is going up and then it just goes and then when you get to like a picture of an actual person then it goes back up right um so there's this dip where it's like we do not want to see things that are in this range um so and certain movies supposedly have sort of accidentally fallen into the uncanny valley like um famously polar express um oh no with uh, tom <laughs> hanks and it's like a all cg movie but they mo-capped all the actors and they tried to make them look as real as possible um, and a lot of audiences found that film to be like very unsettling which mm. it's not a horror movie <laughs> it's not trying to be mm-hmm. um i but, can see uh, that though i definitely get that and i think that um this film is kind of like it's preying on that same part of your brain that doesn't like those kind of images and i think the reason you don't like it is because you look at it and your brain is kind of split between is this a person or is it not right and and your brain is so wired on a fundamental level to recognize human faces and uh you know study them very closely so you can tell like how this person's feeling and what they're likely to do um and that it really wants to see human faces all over the place it's sort of wired to look for that pattern and then uh react to it in a certain way and when you see something that's close but your brain can tell that it's not quite there 
you get into this space of uncertainty that's really unnerving for a human being. Mm-hmm. And um, I think, you know, the the graininess of the photographs and the video footage in this, where we're, we're kind of experiencing something similar when we're looking at images that, you know, we're told might be of Alice, who is a dead person. Um, you know, it might be her ghost or something. Um, and, and we can't quite make out what it is. Um, I think that is like just creepy as hell. Like that's really effective. And this has been psychology with Kenny. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another problem with the DVD case. I'm gonna bitch about this some more. Oh um, my god! Is is the image that's on the DVD case is like uh, it's a a woman. Uh, we've got her sort of. Her her head and the upper part of her torso, mm-hmm. like down to like where her boobies would be, but they're cut off. <laughs> Jesus. Um, and do you mean uh, you mean like? No, not like with a knife. Like, right. There like you go. instead of seeing anything below, like her shoulders, it just turns into like water. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like spewing around. So it's like mm-hmm. she's sort of like turned into the water. From the bottom up and she's in the middle of transforming into water i guess okay. and she's kind of like throwing her hair back and she's got her mouth open like either she's screaming or she's going like ah and uh and the title lake mungo is like in her hair it looks to me like an ad for shampoo okay and so basically stupid. their entire pr department was just like college dropouts yeah, like this movie just it got pooped out into the world and uh just left for dead. Um <laughs> sad. But if you look on like Wikipedia or you look on Google for the the poster for the movie, that is great. They should have used that, obviously. And it's this grainy image of of Alice. Um so whoever made the poster knew what was up that's mm-hmm. a scary thing the grainy images the the creeping uncertainty for my money maybe someone's like nephew needed a job or something <laughs> i just don't think they had the the funds you know i think they made they probably shopped this movie around all over the place and couldn't find a distributor or, <clears throat> or the distributor that they found you know couldn't afford to show it in many theaters and then um when it came time for home video the only thing they could get was this after dark horror fest 4 that wanted to to release it another thing that's interesting about the movie to me is um i mean as a mockumentary it's kind of inherently metafictional so did you get a sense that the film was trying to say something about the documentary genre or uh, paranormal documentaries? Um, do you mean like because most, if not everything, was faked? I mean, yeah, I think that's part of it, yeah. Um, like... I mean, I didn't pick up on any sort of, like, commentary, but, you know, that's not my strong suit. 
but I could see that, sure. Yeah, I mean, when we find out that Matthew has faked the footage that we've been looking at, I don't know, it, it kind of strikes me that the movie is in a way training us to be more skeptical about mm -hmm. this kind of uh, media. That's not the end of the movie, though, right? Like, you kind of want the movie to be over, and then it's like, <laughs> no, of course, uh, there's another twist of the knife. Like, uh, it turns out that there was some paranormal stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, it's just he was doing that in addition. Mm -hmm. um, but I think f that's that's a kind of a neat thing, that the film kind of shows you how it's made and how other you know real documentaries of this kind or quote-unquote real documentaries of this kind are made i don't know in a way you could say like it, it makes it less scary because it reminds us about how this stuff is a bunch of nonsense but it also kind of just leaves you more in that sense that state that we were talking about of uncertainty and and skepticism and we're having to watch all this stuff but we can't really uh ever say exactly what is going on well, I think um, part of what makes the movie so scary is because it sort of tricks you into this false sense of security. Like, oh, look, it's all fake. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not. And then you're like, oh, no. You know, <laughs> like you yeah. kind of felt better. And then that sort of, you know, because you went so high, now you have a lower low. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So. So that kind of leads into the next question that I had, which was about like the the plot twists. Um, it occurred to me watching the film that it kind of has a, like a repetitive structure, um, and I don't know what else they could have done really. But like you kind of have like a round of interviews with the various characters. You know, they they'll get their reactions to the most recent thing that happened, and then there will be some new like revelation, right? Like something else comes out in the case that overturns what people thought they knew. So, you know, they, uh, Alice went missing and then they found the body and then um, surprise, she shows up in a photo and then surprise, it was fake. And then uh, surprise, you know, the next thing happens. Like if they, it's revealed that Alice had a relationship with the neighbors um, and everybody reacts to that so um i guess we're in agreement that like the the revelation that the photos were faked and then kind of pulling the rug out from under us those were some really effective twists how did you feel about the other sort of plot twists like the fact that she was in a relationship with the neighbors yeah um i feel like the movie kind of needs those plot twists Mm-hmm. Because, you know, like we've said, it's very kind of everything, every, everyone is in such a calm state and there's no hysteria. Um, it's, it kind of needs that extra drama so that it evens out. Yeah, I, I feel like if this story were told as a uh like a traditional film outside of the documentary genre it would have to have a totally different plot yeah right because like in a normal film 
the characters are pushing the action forward, right? Like they would be investigating uh, Alice's death and they would discover the clues that led to the next thing. Um, as opposed to stuff just sort of coming out or happening to the family, which I feel like is more what happens in the documentary. And it's kind of a change in, like a difference in genre. Um, I think like the documentary genre has kind of has this structure. Um, maybe just because like life kind of has that structure. Like, uh, I don't know. I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately, how life often doesn't have the structure of a, of a fictional story where you have like, I don't know. Stories are so much more eventful than actual life. Like you spend years just doing the same repetitive thing over and over. Oh, well, that's uplifting. And usually when things happen, I mean, I don't know. I guess there are extraordinary people that are go-getters and do things with their lives. But, you know, for me, I just I just sit around. Okay, but... And sometimes stuff happens to me. <laughs> that's not really fair because you are working on your PhD and that has to be your complete focus you don't get to have a life right now yeah yeah and that's i guess that's kind of what i mean like that's something that i'm that's what i'm doing mm -hmm. right now in my life story but i've been doing that same thing for like yeah. seven years yeah yep. so that would be pretty boring if it was a movie <laughs> yeah um and i don't know i just think in general like traditional fiction films afford the main characters a lot more agency in their own stories than people tend to actually have like people's lives tend to be much more determined by the things that happen around them and to them than you know a series of choices that they made yeah. i don't know i don't know a lot of crazy stuff happens to me is there is there more to this movie than just being scary did you find it uh, evoke any other emotions or um well yeah i mean there's a lot of family dynamic stuff going on and like what well the mother and the daughter relationship like they, i don't i don't know it's just it's really sad that during alice's life she she and her mom didn't really get along that well but her mom took it so hard when she died and mm -hmm. you know really really wanted to see her and really wanted to believe she was still like around and i don't know there's a lot of stuff and there. she she realizes like how little they really understood each other how how little they knew each other as you find out more about what alice was up to yeah yeah, the fact that, like, Alice had, like, all these secrets that she didn't tell anybody and, like, how, you know, you really never know anyone completely, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, what I what made me relate to it is, um, uh, this is, uh, I guess, personal story time Ooh. at Cinematicon Ex Mortis. Finally! Um, I had a, I had a cat named Nemo, um, who disappeared. Kind of like Alice in the movie, we we never well, he didn't drown. Um, but there's kind of a period in the film, right, where they, she just goes missing and they don't know what happened to her. Yeah. And that's what happened with Nemo. He just disappeared. He didn't come home one day, and uh, still no idea what happened to him. 
and uh for a long time you know we were going out like every day looking for him putting up posters you know going through all that stuff that you do um and uh at night so during the day you know there's a lot of noise and stuff and we kept thinking like maybe he's up in a tree um or you know hurt somewhere and he's like meowing and we can't hear him mm-hmm. and so but at day, in the day you kind of can't hear because there's so much ambient noise but at night it's a lot quieter so um you know sometimes i would just kind of like walk through the house and then like go out onto the the uh front yard and kind of walk around and be listening really closely to try to hear that um and and sometimes you do you know sometimes you hear a little ghostly meow um and it's just you know or you think you do you know and it's just your brain kind of you're listening for a specific thing and in among the ambient noise of the night um there are there's this this kind of like uh randomness right and your brain tries to process that in a way that will get you the desired outcome Mm-hmm. And uh so yeah, so I kind of I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to um when they've lost somebody uh not necessarily a cat uh sometimes and cats, uh sometimes cats or dogs or people you know they go missing or they die and you have this intense desire to to reunite with them. And so that's probably one of the main sources of ghost sightings and, uh, you know, paranormal experience is just people. It can be that you're like scared and so you're anticipating being scared and so you, you know, scare yourself. But I think probably more often it's people who really want to see the quote unquote ghost. You know, they want to um, still be able to connect with the missing person in some way um and so they see a shadow or a whatever and um they kind of unconsciously spin that into what they want it to be yeah it's like that fill in the gap thing the fill in the gap thing yeah you know how your brain will like if you see a picture that's not finished it'll kind of finish it for you you know what i'm talking about yeah, but it's like a lot sadder. Yes, it's a lot sadder. <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking about that when you were talking about, like, a lot of ghost movies, it's like, oh, we moved into this house and it's haunted, but there's not a lot of movies that are like, oh, our family member died and now we're being haunted by that family member. It adds right. like a layer of loss and sadness to it that's... I don't know. I guess it's even more eerie. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's scary to us, but to the I think that's part of why the characters aren't. Like we said, mm-hmm. they're not hysterical. They're right. they don't show signs of fear really. Because to them it's not something they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. They they want, they want to, to be haunted by her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They want to know what happened to her. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of neat. It is also devastating i guess we could talk about the ending of the film the film gets pretty weird at the end because um where the title comes in is that 
uh, Alice went on a school trip to Lake Mungo, which is a real place in Australia. Um, it's a dry lake, so um, it's it used to be a lake like millions of years ago, but now it's just a big depression in the ground. Okay. And uh, I guess, I don't know, if you're Australian, you can tell us in the comments uh, whether you guys actually go visit Lake Mungo on occasion and a school trip type situation, but that's what happens in the movie. Um, and while she was there, she had a, a vision where she sees, I think, her own corpse. Mm -hmm. Is that what, how you interpreted that? Yeah. Yeah. So after that point, she started seeing this, like, paranormal psychologist hypnotist guy that the family ends up going to after her death um and having sessions with him where she would describe the dreams that she was having and in her dreams she's returning to her house uh in the same way that she does as a spirit after being drowned and she's kind of looking on upon her family members in a like ghostly form so basically she she like pre-experienced the events of her death and her afterlife um, while she was alive, and that's what made her start behaving so strangely in the last months of her life. Yeah. Um, Makes and, sense to me. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> to me, that was that was very. It's a very odd direction for the story to take. It's oh. not something I'd seen in a lot of other movies ah. or stories. Well, I, I like that they did that. That's another one of those unique things about the film. Yeah. It's kind of a plot twist. It is a plot twist. Um, and, and I guess it kind of works in the end. It echoes some earlier motifs in the film. So I think there are a lot of like doubles and repetitions in the film. Mm -hmm. um, so, for instance, Alice's mother talks about how she had kind of a similarly strained relationship with her mother growing up. Mm -hmm. So Alice is like a double of her mother. Um, and then there's the scene early in the film that I really like where they go to the morgue uh, to identify the body. And then the car kind of craps out on the way back. And so the only way they can get it to work is to drive in reverse. So they drive in reverse down this deserted road for like 20 miles till they get home. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, it's a random detail. It doesn't really connect to the plot. Um, but I think it's, it has like kind of symbolic significance, right? That they're, they're going backward. They're sort of being pulled back into the past from this point where Alice dies and they see her in the morgue. They're kind of not being able to go forward in their in their lives. Um so I don't know. So I kind of like the the doubling, the sort of uh recursiveness of the fact that Alice sees her own ghost, even though I don't know it doesn't really make logical sense, but it sort of makes uh symbolic sense in a way. Well you know, I'm like majorly into the paranormal as you're very well <laughs> you you know mm -hmm. so there's a lot of stories that date back 
hundreds of years where I can't think of any where someone saw their own ghost, but I can think of some where people saw a ghost of a loved one before they died. Hmm. Like um, close to their death, but not after. Like, you know, it was impending. And they were like, oh, what are you doing here? You know, and then like a couple days later, that person would die. So that kind of exists in like ghost lore. So, you know, I'm familiar with it, but not quite in that flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, like a folklore motif is the, the omen, right? Like Mm -hmm. something that, that presages some terrible tragedy to come some weird supernatural thing will happen before which i guess is another way in which this is kind of odd is that although chronologically this is like one of the first things that happens in the story the omen is like the last thing that we see right like mm-hmm. uh this is the last thing that's revealed and so the family kind of finds out at the end how it all started so again it's like this like circle kind of structure yes um, I think it's good where it is. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess the reason I like it too is like ghosts. I think are part of how we deal with um, like the strangeness of time in our culture, um, and how people and things from the past that we thought were behind us can still keep popping up. Mm-hmm. um and affecting the present and sometimes it can seem like time is going the wrong way that we're being sucked back into the past um that we sort of helplessly repeat the same actions and can't break out of certain cycles of behavior um so yeah i like that like weird circularity of the plot totally before we get to the very end uh, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. So you don't believe in ghosts. Correct. Like at all. Mm-hmm. And we've spoken at length for many years back and forth about like ghosts exist versus no, they don't. You're insane. Um, so why does this movie scare you so much if you do not believe in ghosts whatsoever? Yeah, that's. That is a kind of paradox, right? Like this, mm-hmm. the scariest horror movies to me are ghost movies and like demonic possession oh, type God. movies. They're supernatural things, um, which, yeah, it's odd because obviously there's no such thing as ghosts or demons or obviously you know, monsters. Um, whereas uh, serial killers are a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a serial killer could absolutely kidnap me and torture me and cut me in half that could totally happen um it's very unlikely but the probability is definitely not zero whereas you know the probability of encountering a real life ghost is zero Mm -hmm. so okay why be scared of the one um and i think i've i've sort of analyzed myself and i think the reason is more that I'm not really scared of something terrible happening to me. I'm scared of being scared. 
Like, I'm, I'm scared of, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing, you know, something standing behind me and then turning around and it's not there. Something like that, you know, like that, those, those moments in a ghost movie where, where you get spooked. Um, that's what I'm scared of. I'm scared of the uncertainty okay. coming back to that. I'm, a, I'm scared of the unknown, I guess. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. That's the scariest thing in existence but i i fully acknowledge that it's irrational i think like, it, means... it makes more sense to be scared of a serial killer or you know something like that i think there's something deep down inside of you that thinks but what if i think so i think there's like a 0.01 percent of you that thinks that it might be true yeah i mean i don't know i was i was raised religious uh-huh. So, um, you know, for many years when I was a kid, I would sit in bed and think about hell and <laughs> uh-huh. the possibility of going there and and you know, I actually used to sit and think like, "Oh my god, what if when I get older, I get all skeptical and I renounce my faith and I don't believe in this anymore. Then I'll I'll die and go to hell. You know, like that could happen. Because mm-hmm. um, in in the religion, you know, as long as you have faith, you know, you're fine. Right. Um, That's how they get you. But how do you know that you'll stay the same person that you were as a kid and not become skeptical and not, you know, change your faith and end up in hell? So that that scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. Yeah. Same. Um, and ironically, it's it's come to pass right. um, that uh, now I am going to hell. Uh, <laughs> well, you'll be. But I really company. don't think I'm I'm scared of that. Uh, I think at, well, at all. see, I was raised religious as well, as you know, and there's still parts of me that are traumatized, and still there's that little tiny voice that's like but what if you are going to hell and are going to be tortured for all eternity? Like there's, you know, they got their claws in me real good. So yeah, I think that's probably maybe why we're both afraid of possessions so much Hmm. because of the religious background. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I really only find those movies scary when they function like a ghost movie, like paranormal activity. I've never seen it and I'm not going to, and you can't make me. Okay. Well, we probably will eventually. Wrap it up. <laughs> um, uh, I'll just say for now, like it's not a movie about you know a person who's possessed going blah, 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 and spinning her head around and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's about a demon haunting a family, and so you oh. know it makes bumps in the night and mm. you know knocks things off tables and stuff like that. Like, um, and I think that is that's the kind of stuff that scares me. If it's like manifest as a physical thing it doesn't scare me um Mm. it's you know if it has like a physical presence and i guess that's what it is right it's like you know if i imagine in my mind being attacked by a serial killer or a giant alligator or something i imagine what i would do right and and again it's completely irrational because in reality what i would do is die (laughs) i would just get killed um Uh but in your imagination, it's very easy to imagine, oh, I would like 
grab something sharp and I would stab him, you know, or I would run into the other room. I would close the door. I would barricade it. You know, I, you can imagine all the stuff that you would do to get out of that situation and to combat whatever scary thing it is. If it's something that has like a physical form. Um, but if it's a ghost, like if you see a ghost, like what do you do then? It doesn't have, there's nothing to attack, you know? It's just, uh, you know, a noise or something, a door shutting itself or something. And it's like, what the fuck do I do with that? Right. That's, I think, what makes it so, so much scarier to me um, is it wouldn't be scarier if I was in that situation. If, you know, a guy with a chainsaw is really chasing me, I'm scared. Like, I would definitely be scared. Um, but just imagining that scenario is not scary because your brain just goes to the next thing that you would do in that situation. Whereas that's kind of blocked off when it comes to something supernatural. I guess we should, uh, close off by talking about the end credits. We usually don't talk about the end credits. You know, films that we I almost watch. didn't watch them. Oh yeah. I almost turned it off. Because you just thought, oh, the movie. Yeah, I thought it was over, and then it started doing the thing, and I was like, oh, oh no, <laughs> it's not over. No. So in the in the end credits, um, basically, uh, we see a montage of the photographs that we were shown earlier that Matthew had edited to add in Alice, um, and it was just a an image of her from before her death that was like blurred up and put into the corner of the image or whatever. And except now uh, the camera zooms in to a different part of the photo and we can see the ghostly Alice was there in the photo to begin with. Somehow Matthew didn't see that while he was uh, doctoring the photographs. And um, uh, I don't know what you, I don't know what you think. I think this might be the most effective end credit sequence in any horror film. Um, it's so, so creepy and unsettling. Yeah, I, I read your note about that, and I, I thought about it, and I, I literally can't think of anything that's even remotely close to this. It's, oh, it's borderline the scariest part of the movie. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, it's very, it sticks with you, that's for sure. Those pictures are, oh, it's the zooming thing again. Oh, don't <laughs> zoom in. Don't do it. Oh, and she's yeah. like standing in the window. Oh, God. Uh, no. Oh, no, sir. Yeah, and there's no loud noise. There's nothing manipulative about it. It's slow. It's it's methodical. And it's just <clears throat> horrifying. Yeah, it is. God. So, yeah, I guess that's our review of lake mungo watch it if you dare or don't uh, or don't i'm just kidding you should do it if yeah you, you like, totally should if you like being scared you should watch the movie i agree and uh oh shit we forgot to decide what we're gonna watch for next time oh is it my choice I, yeah it's your choice so um should we actually do Creature for the Black Lagoon this time and do an actual swamp monster? Oh, that's a great idea. Okay. Okay, so we had a lake this time, mm -hmm. and next time 
we will see a lagoon mm -hmm. creature from the black lagoon which actually goes with its title yeah so if you're afraid of ghosts um and we maybe tricked you this time and you hate us forever <laughs> um please trust us it's just a silly uh gill man mm -hmm. there's no ghost that's right and we'll see you then bye